Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of Rakindi. Today we are joined by Pat Reardon. After completing his bachelor degree in international business, Pat developed a strength for cultivating professional, dynamic, integrated teams and a positive work culture. Pat's leadership skills and strong supportive role have been the guiding force behind any many teams and businesses. Pat's personal desire to truly impact the world in a positive way have seen him step in and mentor leadership teams to support the ongoing success and expansion of the brand and business to help change culture towards a more holistic model. This includes enhancing self-performance and interpersonal relationships. Pat co-founded Natural Instinct Wellbeing, recognized in Asia with every sought-after industry award within the wellness sector, and has facilitated workshops and retreats with his team globally for the past 12 years. This is actually how I found Pat. I personally participated in a seven-day long fast with Natural Healing Instinct located in the beautiful Bali. It was such a transformative healing process that I would hands down recommend it to anyone wanting to transform their relationship to health. So with all of that, Puck, welcome and thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, thanks so much for the introduction, Alexa. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really grateful to be on here chatting. I know that you've had an amazing calibre of, of uh, guests on the, on the podcast, so I'm, I'm, I'm really chuffed to be one of those. Pat, as we begin, uh, do you want to just tell everybody a little bit about yourself? Um, what kind of got you interested in the whole health industry and, and obviously what brought you to Natural Healing Instinct? Sure. Yeah. Look, we, um, I mean, the story could go back as a long way, Alexa, but probably to begin with, I, I grew up on the Sunshine Coast of Queensland, on the east coast of Australia, led a, a charming childhood, really. We had uh, grew up on 20 acres of land. Uh, we had you know, a little, little hobby farm um, and had some great support through all the family and, and networks around us. Um, a lot of my mother's family are out on properties out in Western Queensland, um, so probably west of where you are at the moment, actually. Um, and so our holidays were spent out on cattle stations and sheep stations, and, and that was quite formative for me, um, looking back in hindsight, because basically out of the stations there, you, you're lumped with a lot of responsibility from a very young age. Um, so that was formative through those years. I uh, attended high school and, and went to boarding school for a couple of years in Brisbane, which also really opened my eyes to travel and, and you know, interpersonal development relationships with other people, you know, outside of your comfort zone, outside of your normal circles, which was what it was like in boarding school for a couple of years. We had an amazing group of Papua New Guinean crew that came down and were going through schooling with us. We had Fijians, Tongans, Samoans, all these people from, you know, who I wouldn't normally encounter in my day-to-day life on the Sunshine Coast. And that really broadened my eyes and, and bringing it back to your question is that's sort of where the thirst for travel came from uh, and I was lucky to to uh, saddle up with my beautiful wife of, of now 22 years quite early on uh, in our, in our um, adventures and we went travelling for the best part of three years from 18 to 21. Uh, we went all over the globe. We started in Europe. Uh, we jumped on some boats and, and worked on those boats for a couple of years and took a boat over the Caribbean and, and through Central and South America. And when we were actually in South America, uh, to come back to your question, we were we went and saw this, uh, you know, an amazing local healer, and he said to my wife, he said at the time, "Look, I can see you being just moving into a natural healing and health uh, direction with your career," and so that's what led us down the track. And um, quite a few years later, I went back and did my international business degree. My wife Kate did her naturopathy and nutrition. And that's how we sort of landed um, about probably 12 years ago in Thailand where we, my wife was managing a, a fasting centre uh, and we spent the best part of 12, 18 months in Thailand. And then after that, we, we headed over to Bali because I love to surf and that was the natural progression of, of finding an uh, intersection between my pleasure of surf in, in my 
in my pleasure time and then uh, my professional career of international business. And we, we started what is now known as Natural Instinct Wellbeing, the brand, and, and we've been operating out of Bali for the past 11 or 12 years. Wow, 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 wow. No, very cool. And it's, it's brilliant to actually see somebody um, cultivating and creating a life uh, based around their passion and based around, um, you know, you loving both your uh, fasting and health and then also surfing and, and managing to, to live in an almost paradise reality. Yeah, that was certainly the, the golden era of Bali, uh, probably about uh, those first few years where you really were able to, to mix that passion and, and pleasure and, um, and, and move that through and that energy through into your professional career. So um, we've got three kids now. Uh, we've got three daughters, seven, five, and pretty soon five and just one. And um, the period before they came into our lives was really a period of, of just getting clear on our our boundaries of what our core values are and how we really want to set our, our lives up for the, for the next few decades. So, uh, yeah, it, it all came together in Bali. Brilliant. And, I mean, even the the almost fairy tale uh, story of, of seeing this healer who helped guide your wife into um, to, into such a beautiful life and, and then the two of you together um, actually uh, planning out and, and seeing what you want to achieve and, and then actually going for it. Yeah, well, I think there's always these, and I, I'm sure your listeners would relate to it, there's always these really pivotal moments of change. And it's not so much the moment there, but when you look back in hindsight, it's sort of like the transition phase of going from one, uh, you know, opera spider and like one, I guess one sense of like reality and then you move in transition to another reality that becomes your life. And, and that's really what we've been trying to do with our clients is, you know, we've, we've guided people over the last 12 years through what we can only see as the one common denominator because we have people from all walks of life come through our door, whether it's royal family, single mum, uh, you know, pilots, all kinds of careers, all kinds of walks of life. And the one common thread that we find or that we've been able to find is everyone's in this moment of change. It may be a moment of change from one career into the other, a relationship change. It could be a lifestyle change, a geographic change, but that's really what it is. And these moments of change really instigate where you set yourself up for the next period of your life. And and for sure, that moment of change um, in that particular person that we met travelling through South America was really the catalyst um, for that next period of our lives. Wow. Wow. So with that, um, when somebody is coming to you with the intention to, um, as they're going through some transition and they want to uh, elevate their life in some way, would you get them to sit down and do a lot of reflection and say, you know, look, this is where you've come from. Um, where do you want to go? Because some people, as I'm sure you've mentioned, they, they wouldn't have no idea, you know, changes people as part of the human psyche. We don't like change. You know, people like things. They would rather stay in their comfort zone, even if that's harmful, you know, let's say an abusive relationship or something. Thing, rather than they would um, try something new, as amazing as that may seem. So how would you aid people in that transition in life to say, you know, it's okay to change. It's okay to embrace something that's better, that's new, that can heighten your life's experience. Yeah, great question, Lex. And I think what we came to realise early on, um, particularly, you know, when we were observing what was happening around us in Thailand while my wife was managing a centre there is, the fasting process, and that's what we use within our retreats, is really a, it, it, you can't get more uncomfortable than taking away everyone's food for a period of time. Um, and it really gets you to shine the light back on what's most important in your life. Um, and, and it really has the ability to turn inward and, and you know, go into that inner healing process. And so we really... What we do now, we really say that the detox and the fasting process is just the vehicle that moves our clients through the retreat process. And that's what we've really crafted over the last, uh, over a decade, is the process, the methodology of moving clients into a process and then going through the process and then bringing them back out of that process. So they have a time of inward reflection and I think, you know, everyone that's listening to this 
podcast and I know Rikindi is, is adamant that it's a holistic process. So while we, you know, we have clients come in and they may be looking for a physical change, a physical transition, whether that's to let go of, of weight or whatever the case may be, there might be some chronic illness, then what becomes really apparent and usually around day three or four of the retreat process is that there's so much more to health and well-being than the physical process. So that's when we move into the emotional and spiritual health. And that's really where our team, it's a little bit of an inside joke is that people often do come for it to us for that physical aspect of well-being. And then they just walk away with so much more from the, you know, the mental, emotional and spiritual aspects. Of course. I mean, well, it is all, that's the whole thing with holistic health is it, it is all just one, you know, people think uh, so many times people have had physical injuries or physical, have experienced things physiologically from a psychological thing. So they're holding on to past trauma or stress or whatever it may be. And then all of a sudden, you know, in Japan, it's actually uh, a known thing where uh, prior to them introducing antidepressants, uh, they actually didn't really know uh, what depression was. So they would come to the doctor and say, look, I've got really bad back pain or something. And it actually turned out that they were having issues with their, um, with their life in some way, shape or form. Um, and through correcting their mental uh, issues, their, their physical started to shift. And the same with weight loss. I mean, people um, overeat. Uh, you, I mean, there's, look, there's multiple factors, but, uh, you know, one is they're dealing with that mental pain. And so then they, they overeat in order to try and numb themselves out. So it's, it's truly a phenomenal thing that you guys are doing to completely shape a person's life um, in, all, in all means. Yeah, well, we certainly don't give them the opportunity to, to eat and mask anything, which is actually a big part of that process. And obviously, when clients come to us, there's a, a fair amount of um, angst and, and anxiety in that initial 24 hours where we're stripping away and that fasting process is like a stripping away. And in order for us to move through that process, then there's a letting go. And, and really, the process of our retreats is just a letting go of all that no longer serves you. Um, and that's on a, a physical, emotional, mental, a spiritual level. And from that place, then we can nourish like seeds. We can plant seeds through education and empowering the individual. So on the other side of it, it's like this really beautiful nurturing process as you're coming out of that, where you've let go of all that no longer serves you. And then you're excited and you're nurturing all that you want to grow in your lives in the future. It's so funny you said that quote because um, we at Rikindi, um, one of the many things we do is uh, distribute different types of yoga equipment because, um, uh, you know, yoga is such a beautiful practice to look within, you know, and start to stretch out a lot of those um, physical pains um, that your body has accumulated. And on one of the mats, I actually put at the top, um, I release what no longer serves as an intention when you step on the mat to um, be releasing, as you just said, both your physical and your psychological. So such such profound. so profound, so profound. So you were mentioning um, fasting and enemas and actually, you know, as you're talking about what people go through with their retreats, you know, I personally experienced such a huge shift in my own psyche coming to your retreats in Bali. I mean, uh, fasting for seven days, like you said, was was quite an interesting challenge. But when I walked away from that, um, your team was phenomenal. So they sat me down and uh, we got given some paper that we would write everything that we were holding on to, and then we would burn it um, uh, during a burning ceremony. And, and you could actually feel um, that uh, pain and, and, and hardship actually burn away as you see it uh, slowly dissipating. So even that one simple act was so profound in my own personal uh, healing process. Yeah, I think, but I mean, what we've, what we've tried to do is tap back into these ancient cultural rituals as well because I mean above all those fasting is like the most it's an ancient ritual and it crosses all religions and, and all people you know like the Buddha fasted Muhammad fasted Jesus fasted so it's not something new it, it perhaps it feels new and, and uncommon within our current environment and so is the is the the burning process if you look at the pagans or whatever culture you want to dive into there's this letting go through fire so really what we we've tried to harness and enhance within the retreat process is tapping back into these ancient rituals and and very much so that's what we we try to 
to embed in our clients as they leave is like having these daily practices, whether it is just lighting a, a candle or an incense or, you know, having a quiet moment reflection on the yoga mat. It's just these daily rituals that contribute to overall well-being and, and also the ability to manage your internal world regardless of what's happening in the external world. Mm, mm. That uh, And that really de- digs right down into the human psyche. I mean, I recently did a talk about uh, epigenetics and uh, the amount of information that's actually passed down from one generation to the next. And so by you talking about these deep-seated cultural um, uh, practices or rituals, uh, you know, it, it could actually a lot of it be passed down through our genetics and something that is deep-seated within us, that, that is part of that healing, that is part of that growth, that is part of that transformation. Yeah, absolutely. And we, I mean, just when you're talking about that, I just reflect on a, a uh, trip we had. It was pre-COVID, obviously. It must have been 2019. Uh, my wife and the family uh, and I went over to Spain for a, a couple of months to host some programs, uh, some retreats there. But we also went across to Ireland, which is where all both at my ancestors and my wife's ancestors are from, and that was our first trip to Ireland. So it was really quite a big deal for us to tap back into this ancient culture. And when you talk about epigenetics, like we, you know, we went and there were some amazing stone circles that we sat at and um, just to embed ourselves in this old ancient culture. And you could feel it, and it was certainly a part of, of that culture that it come through and, and I'm really intrigued with the epigenetics and I, I love that chat that you had recently. Oh, no. Well, thank you. It is. It's such an interesting topic, um, particularly because, um, you know, we, we don't fully understand. Um, well, I mean, I suppose now we we probably have a lot more of an idea of, of how not only is this information being passed down, but um, our environment then will alter the way that we um, interact or the, the, will alter the way that our different genes are expressed. So a, a set of twins can be born exactly the same with the same genetic code, uh, the same uh, information being passed down, but yet even based within their own personal life, um, it, it can drastically change. Like one could become a famous athlete and the other one could suffer from severe back and uh, joint pain, uh, even though they both started off exactly the same way. So within your lifespan, based on what you do, it can actually drastically impact how your genes will be expressed, which is pretty cool. Uh, there was also another famous study uh, where they got two unhealthy yellow furred overweight mice. Uh, their parents were overweight, yellow fur, really unhealthy. Uh, they took one mouse and got them to eat healthy and exercise. Uh, and then they got the other mouse to continue its normal way of being. Uh, interestingly, when both mice had offspring, the one who changed their eating and exercise actually ended up with healthy brown mice offspring compared to the other unhealthy mice who simply gave birth to the same yellow-furred overweight mice. So it just shows whatever you do within your lifespan can actually drastically impact not what you do, but also how your children um, or your offspring uh, are born and how they experience life. That's why um, your what you guys do with Natural Healing Instinct is so profound because you're not only healing um somebody within their life cycle, once they have offspring, you're actually going to be healing their offspring as well, because then they'll be starting off at a much clearer um, uh, starting point. And then from that, they can uh, expand even further if they continue that practice of uh, self-love, self-transformation. Yeah. And I think that's always been the bigger picture for myself personally, is that, I mean, I just, I dumb it quite down into this ripple effect and, you know, the the, the effect that we have on our clients, you know, we don't, we're not a huge uh, corporation by any means. We're a family run, my wife and I run the business um, and we have a capacity of, of typically only, you know, 200 to 250 clients a year to go through a deep residential retreat process. And, you know, when we think about the 250 people, then what I really reflect back onto is like, how can we impact those people's lives that come on retreat with us, whether it's, for instance, a mum that's, that's taking that time away and, and trusting us to, to go through that retreat? How does she return to her home where she has perhaps four children and what are the ripple effects on those children and the networks around them 
if she's living in her full potential and capacity um, as, you know, in, whether it's as an individual or as a mother in an interpersonal relationship. So it really is about that ripple effect for us and I think that's what you were sort of touching on there. Mm, mm, definitely. I mean, uh, your relationships around you and, and you're right, the ripple effect that, that, that follows from that. So it's really good that you guys are aware of that and, and you're implementing ways in order to um, facilitate that growth. Um, so when looking at uh, optimum uh, human performance, um, so part of natural healing instincts and what you do is, is to optimize, optimize human performance. So do, do you want to tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, I think, I mean, when we often we hear about performance, I think the first thing that perhaps pops into someone's mind is like a, a professional athlete at the peak of their performance and swimming the 100-metre freestyle at the Olympics. And absolutely that's one, that's one example of someone in peak performance. But so too is the, the mother or the father that shows up to their children and is conscious and has an incredible relationship with those children and nurtures and grows the family unit like for, for us and for myself I feel like that is someone in their peak performance as well um, so we've worked like we've worked with all ends of the spectrum we've worked with professional athletes and uh, you know my wife's worked with royal family and some really incredible individuals and those individuals do have the ability to make a, a bigger impact and a bigger ripple in the outside networks beyond themselves. But really, when we talk about peak performance, it, it does come back to first and foremost, letting go of all that no longer serves you. And from that base, then there, there's this spaciousness to create. And I feel like that's probably the key that we've found um, because we've worked with people that have come to us and they are at the absolute optimal of their physical capability. You know, there is nowhere else there's nothing we can do to put that person in a higher state of physical perfection and really they've come and their journey has just begun as they walk through our door because there's so many different aspects of that holistic health and well-being that haven't been you know looked at and haven't haven't dove down the rabbit hole of, of well wow I'm an incredibly physical athlete but the relationships around me are exploding and, and I don't know why or I'm, you know, I'm an incredible, I'm at my peak performance and but for some reason I don't feel like I'm connected and tapped into my purpose or the, my higher self. So when we talk about peak performance, it really is that holistic model of like, okay, how do we break this down and look at all aspects of self and really what, what we've seen is once that, once they can tune into all of those aspects of health, and particularly that that's uh, that, that's we don't you could call it the God, God, the higher source, whatever the case may be. But when they're really in flow, then they're just tuned in. They're super intuitive, and they're making decisions, heart-based decisions that you cannot make from the frontal lobe of the brain. Mm-hmm. No, very, very um, interesting. So with, with the higher self um, that you mentioned, what would you define as somebody living through their higher self? What would that be? Well, I just feel like it's a decision-making process for me personally. So when, you, when you're going out and whether it's you're making decisions on what you're going to put in, your, put in your mouth or whether you're making decisions on who you want people around, your, your close network around you, then it's a process of just tuning in and tapping into that inner sense of knowing. And that could be that intuitive sense or there's a lot of different different words put around it. But it's taking moments and over time, habitually, it, be, it becomes a, a process that you don't have to think about mm. where you're make, making decisions that are based on your inner knowing. And you can't get to that place without having some introspection and and. Primarily, that's why we we host these extended length period retreats is because we don't believe like you can't get to that place and have that deep knowing without having a chance to unplug and taking some time with self and really going into your own psyche. What's your, you know, opening some of those cupboard doors that perhaps a lot of people don't like to open. 
Exactly. No, exactly. You can't really change your habitual patterning if you're not aware of them. So, you know, first step is you guys creating that awareness within that person to say, this is actually what I'm doing every day. These are the patterns that are uh, trapping me or that I'm that are going on repeats that could be harmful or helpful. And then saying, well, how can you transform your unhelpful behaviors into ones that are actually are helpful and um, nourishing and healing? Absolutely. And it's worth noting, Alexa, for anyone listening, that by no means uh, uh, am I a Puritan and, and by no means do I not fall back into those old habits. And that's just the, that's the human condition. And, and I guess a lot of people you know, aim to strive for this utopia where you're, you're never making any poor decisions and, and you you know, there's this flow of life. But in my humble opinion, I think there's, it's an ever-swinging, um, you know, you've got to find a balance in the middle and, and often, you know, we can beat ourselves up for sliding off one way. And I think it's just, a, you know, there's this self-love piece where you've got to be happy with coming back to yourself and the decisions you make and then picking yourself back up and getting on the path where you, where you want to be headed. That's that's very, very true, particularly because um, people have this all or nothing approach as well where they think I have to go 100%. Um, you know, a diet is a good example. I have to uh, go 100% or, 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 or I won't even bother trying. And that can almost lead people to say, well, why should I even bother when I'm going to fail anyway? Whereas it's the, the gradual learning, the gradual uncovering the gradual releasing that forms that deeper transformation. Yeah, and I think we're all a little bit more conscious of that now. Like we know, mm-hmm. we understand that there's a sustainable model to health and well-being, and mm-hmm. you know the the eighties, the days of the eighties fad diets, and that. And I, I think everyone's slowly becoming super conscious that that's not the path. That's not the way to to sustainable health and well-being. So mm. like that, that's, that has been a big part of our journey as well, obviously, when in the early days of our retreats, we saw clients coming in and just having these, like, unbelievable transformative experiences within, you know, seven to, to 14 days beyond what we could ever imagine. And then they'd go back into their, you know, real life in inverted commas and things would start sort of, unfolding and, and wheels would start coming off after a few months and we'd have clients coming back to us the following year in no better state than when they arrived the year prior. And that was just a huge wake-up call for us and I, I remember it was probably around the third year in Bali where we just took stock, we, we took some time away, we, we said we're, we're just going to have a, have a bit of a reflection point for where we're headed and... We really what what we really wanted to to cultivate was that sustainable model. So having clients come through and arrive the following year in such a better state than they had the year prior, and then having the ability to dive deeper into that healing and, and health process, and that was really a, I, I just remember that was a really conscious decision we made in the early days of the business. Brilliant. And I, I you guys would have seen such amazing, amazing transformations. That would have been such a, a great thing for you to actually see, knowing that you have facilitated that and you have personally helped transform these people's lives. Yeah, I mean, we've seen some pretty crazy things, um, that, you know, with, and particularly in the emotional space, Lexa, like, um, like in the emotional well-being where, you know, we've seen people drop Four, four kilos of weight off their body in a 24-hour process purely from an emotional release. There's, there's nothing else that happened other than a huge transformative emotional release of something that they're holding on for. I just remember this one lady was, was holding on to some guilt um, for perhaps a 20-year period prior and uh, physically holding on to it and within herself and and just going through that healing process and a, a session and having someone support and nurture through that process. We, yeah, we've seen some crazy things happen. Mm, wow. And uh, before we were talking about um, higher self and intuitive uh, living, so with that whole intuitive, you know, you've got all of this um uh, information that you've experienced since you were born uh, that a lot of people will permanently have information you know being pushed at them 24 7 and you were talking about wanting to unplug 
from uh, what you're experiencing, unplugged from society because you're permanently getting stimulus, you know, pumped into you every <laughs> everywhere you look. Um, so it doesn't really allow you to go within, whereas you're separating it, you're going within. Um, as part of that, uh, intuitive, uh, when, you, when you start to tap in and, and notice the subtleties, would you say that that uh, ties into the flow state? Uh, so, and, and if you know about the flow state, if you wanted to tell the listeners a little bit more about that. Yeah, I think it does. But what, what I'd, I'd probably say is that it's incredibly uncomfortable when we go into that process and we do start to see the subtleties of it. And it's a really uncomfortable process. And, and that's, why we've, that's why we support our clients with, with professionals that can like, support that process because you're opening doors. I think there's, there's one great mentor said you spend this, the first seven years of your life filling up a bag full of all things that, you know, people are telling you and parents and, and whatever else is happening and then you spend the rest of your life unpacking that bag um, and it's really a, a lifelong journey. So, you know, we do host these, these transformative retreats and a lot happened over a, a week process but what really we're trying, trying to tell our clients is like this is a lifelong journey, there's no race uh, to the end line, there's no race to be in flow and, and, and you know, at your best self by the end of seven days. It's just what we've really become apparent is it's a lifelong journey. Uh, you need support. You need, to, you need a really great network of people. And then slowly but surely you're just raising that vibration. And when you talk about flow state, I think it's just the culmination of, of having I'm just trying to visualise it. I'm a really visual person, Alexa, but uh, I, I feel like it's just this clarity of mind and, and a, a, a peace within yourself where the external world is, is you're not having, the external world's not rocking you left and right too far. You're just really in a flow. You know where you're going. You have a sense of purpose and you know within yourself that, Nothing's, you know, nothing's going to knock you off that. And then, you know, there's, there's all kinds of, of literature around, um, you know, how, what can happen in that. And it's really like an exponential state where people can really have incredible results within that state of being. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's definitely um, focusing on when you start to create, like you were saying earlier, when you, when you form into that um, intuitive self, you know, even if you're finding those moments of flow state, you're finding what passions, uh, what things you enjoy. Because I've spoken to people um, and, there's, and there's many people out there who don't even know what they enjoy. Like you say, do you have any hobbies? Well, no. And so uh, people just, where, as soon as they start to slow down, they realize, well, hang on a second. I actually really love to paint or I really love to surf. Or, and then their life is filled with so much color because they're doing what brings joy to them rather than what society expects them to do or what they somehow expect themselves to do. Yeah, I think uh, like when you were saying that, absolutely true. And, and what I was reflecting on as you were saying that is there was, it was in 2019 our team come together at least once a year to do like an extended retreat, and it gets a little bit weird. We're all, we're all, um, you know, very spiritually tapped in, and and um, we have like this really unique team environment on these retreats where we can go to a lot of different places. But the one thing that came out of that 2019 was that there's this need for spaciousness, like to create space in your life. So you can let the curiosity pieces drop into that space and see how they float. Because if we're filling our lives up with the busyness um, and the responsibilities, whether they're self-imposed or from others, then it, there's just not that spaciousness for, for the creative process to come into your life and, and to have those pieces and, and moments of reflection where, you, like you said, you can sit down with it a piece of blank paper and some some paints and and have a you know a really enjoyable process and and understand that that's part of your health and well-being and and um, I think that's super important and I hope that over the last two years given what we've all been going through that there was moments in that time where people did have that spaciousness 
to just dive down into that and get a bit more clarity around what they enjoy doing outside of, of the, the, um, the imposing of, of social or family or whatever the, the case may be. Mm. Let's hope so. Um, yeah, particularly because they've been, I suppose, isolated from society or, or I find a lot of people get into a routine. So talking about those automatic um, processes or those automatic habits that people get into, those patterns, they'll wake up, let's say, go to work, uh, go do grocery shopping, maybe uh, go go train and then watch TV. And so you, your days blur together because they are so similar. But when you no longer can commute to work, you're now saving, let's say, an hour. You can't go to the grocery store, so you're saving another hour. Um, and, and maybe you can't go to the gym, so you'd be training at home, so you'd be saving a bit more time. And so all of a sudden, these people are stuck with all this time because they can't really move. And so hopefully a lot of people have, have seen, oh, well, cool, like maybe let's try do this or let's try and explore this. Or Yeah, I'd like to hope that's the silver lining of the last couple of years, Alexa, is this, this moment when people realise there's a little bit more spaciousness in their life or they can make that spaciousness. You know, that's, that's probably the, really under, the real conscious understanding is that they have to carve out the spaciousness where... It's for it's you know it's time for themselves and you know this it's that whole thing of like you can't help someone un- until you put you know if, if the plane's going down you need to put your your air mask on first before you can help someone else so it's really about this self care piece and that's been the theme within our business for the last two years is like how do we nourish this self care piece where people are willing and able to take time for themselves to nourish themselves so they can help others. That's probably what it comes down to for our self-care. Yeah, well, I mean, going back to that ripple effect, you make an impact in one person's life. I mean, I heard this thing about Oprah and I loved it. She was asked, I think it was, she was thinking, you know, how many, I wonder how many uh, lives I've impacted. And her mentor had said to her, um, Oprah, you would never know that number because it doesn't matter how many people have viewed your show. It's those people who viewed anything or had a a, um, connection or or a transformation or whatever it may be would have then told somebody else um, and helped somebody else and they would have helped somebody else. And so you don't, you never really know the impact that you've had on this world um, because you never know those rippling effects. Yeah. I mean, that's the, that's the beautiful nature of service-based businesses where you you're showing up not for yourself but to support others. Um, mm. And I think that's that's something that we we realised early on um, that there's so much value and reward for those providing that service. Uh, you know, our, our team members wouldn't have it any other way. And just to hear on occasion getting some feedback to confirm that is just a just an amazing process for us. So with the service industry, um, how are the, you know, helping uh, transform people's lives, how do you incorporate that within the business realm? Because I know that you deal with a lot of uh, this within the corporate space. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a journey um, for us and particularly over the last couple of years, um, you know, to, to provide some context. We, we've, we had a private retreat centre in Ubud, Bali, um, where we'd been operating out of and, and where you joined us, Alexa, for a period of about uh, eight to nine years. And as COVID uh, hit, obviously there was border restrictions, um, no internationals could get to us. So we decided to let that uh, retreat centre go. We were on the lease there, we let that go. And when, what, when we go back to that spaciousness piece and, and you know, working and making decisions from space in, when there's spaciousness in that outside world is what came through in that period was an opportunity to take on much larger, bigger piece of land um, and a project to build our own wellness centre, exactly how we'd, we'd want it built and something. Hang our hats on per se and just say, like, this is us, this is what we do and this is what we'd like to give to the world and that's what... That's what came about um, and a bit of a backstory on that, which is interrelated into the, how we operate as, as business operators is for about a, a period of three to six months prior to that, I've kept, uh, I've, 
I had this meditation process and, and I kept having this vision of these big pieces of concrete and steel coming out of the jungle and it didn't make it a lot of sense to me at the time. Um, you know, I, I didn't disregard it, but I, I, I sort of put it on in one of those back corners of my mind, um, and, but it kept recurring. And, you know, as soon as I started the process of looking for another centre or land or whatever the case may be for us to move into, then uh, it, it came to fruition. I, I threw a, a number of of different things, I ended up walking down this path to what is now going to be our, our new wellbeing centre. Um, and it had, it had been left abandoned for a period of about 10 years. The, the past owner had gone in and built uh, structures and, and then had left it abandoned. And when I walked down into that, that uh, land and property, it, it, I was probably one of the first people to walk in there in a decade and it was a really incredible process, but it was exactly how I'd envisaged things in, in the meditations for the six months prior. And um, to answer your question, that's really how we like to do business is, is uh, opening up and creating space and, and tapping into that intuitive decision-making process and then letting the rest of it work itself out. Um, and, yeah, so it's, it's been a, a quite a challenging period, obviously. We've, we've been closed in Bali for the past two years. We pivoted over to Australia uh, because we had an Australian team, so the whole team came back to Australia. Um, we've been back here for the past 18 months um, and, yeah, the way things are, are going, we're, we're getting pretty excited to get back over to, to Bali and, and finish the final works on, the, on that project and bring it out of the ground. But it, it has been a, a process of, of trusting. Um, I think that's first and foremost the business process is trusting, uh, controlling the controllables and that's much, much like life in general is, is not worrying about the things that you can't control and just controlling those controllables um, and then just trying to manage that uncertainty uh, in life and in the business process and, you know, just making sure you turn back to those tools where you can manage the, your internal landscape so you can really have a capacity to deal with the external external um, uncertainty. And you are living proof, you and your wife, that um, through meditation, through cultivating that space, through um, tapping into that intuitive self um, and having a vision that it is 100% possible for it to come to flourishion to the point that you guys had sat and meditated to visualize this beautiful space that you wanted to create and yet you have you are developing that in real time. I mean, just wow. Yeah, and it hasn't, certainly hasn't been without its challenges um, and I think probably that the greatest thing that I've, I've learned from all this is leaning back on those tools to navigate those moments of change and, and challenge. And, um, you know, for me personally, it's completely different for everyone, obviously, um, but those, those tools for me are, are meditation, um, surfing and surrounding myself with, with good people that are, are positive and, and um, you know, know me very well and will, will call me call me on stuff that's uh, if I'm getting a little bit off track and will support me when they know I'm on track. Um, so I think they're probably the key things that have, have come out of that period for the last couple of years, but certainly that meditation piece and, and tuning into to something above and beyond us has is, is always been a big process. Mm -hmm. With the um, relationships that you've managed to cultivate around you, how would you say to people um, or what advice would you give to help people cultivate those strong relationships that will actually be there for you and, and help build um, each of you up? Well, I think that probably the biggest process of that is letting letting go of the relationships that, that uh, no longer serve you. And, and I don't mean that from, a, a, you know, an aspect of cutting away dear friends that, um, you know, it's, it's not about that. It's about cultivating new relationships around you about the person that you want to be. And, you know, it's, it's, it's no new quote that you're the sum of the average of the five people around you. And I think that's just become much more apparent um, over the years. I'm approaching 40 years old uh, next month and I think that really 
day you just really get some some introspection and reflection on the years before you and you start to understand that that's absolutely true that you are the average of the sum of the five people around you and to cultivate those relationships often you have to go out of your comfort zone um, to, to go into you know environments or, or whatever the case may be situations where perhaps it's out of your comfort zone but you know that you're on path and it's where you want to be um, and I think there's just this natural you know there's a natural progression to people to gravitate towards people that are uh, deeply connected to themselves and, and unwavering on on the direction that they want to go and so I think it sort of sorts itself out to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. No I, I completely agree I mean uh, when you if you're holding on to a lot of um hatred or, or past trauma or whatever it may be, uh, let's say uh, as a relationship, for example, um, you're more likely to attract that relationship because that's what your psyche um, and your subconscious is used to. So falling back onto the people usually don't like change. So why would you change your relationship if that's what you think is normal? So if a really nice uh a uh, guy, let's say, will, or, or female will approach you um, and you have that uh, habitual patterning of wanting somebody who is harmful, then you will be immediately deterred from them because that's not part of your habitual patterning. So you'll fall back on what's normal. You'll fall back on what's easier. And uh, I think a beautiful quote that I actually heard from Will Smith, uh, everything is like water. You know, where water will flow are the past that is is least resistant. And so... Um, if you are uh, aware of where you want to go, you're almost allowing that um, that water to to pass through. You're almost allowing your life to flow within that direction because that's the direction that you're envisioning for yourself. But if you have no idea, you're going to fall back on the patterns that already exist because that is the path that is of least resistance within your mind. That is your habitual patterning. Yeah, I mean, with, with reflection on the water and the river, I mean, First and foremost, you have to make sure there's no blocks in that river so the water can flow down, you know, in the direction that it's meant to go. And I think that's that's the process that we work with clients on retreat is to remove those barriers, you know, whether they're mental, physical, emotional, spiritual, uh, so that you have a good flow. And, and from there, then you can govern where that river's going. But if you've got, you know, if you've got blocks in, in those those blocks in that flow of, of, of the river that Will Smith's talking about, then you're going to get, get careened off onto different directions that don't, don't serve you or the people around you. So powerful. I mean, the information shared on this is so, so powerful uh, when, when people start to reflect and utilise them. So when to, to, for people who are listening, um, to, to help summarise a lot of the take-homes, would you um, say reflection, uh, meditation, um, focusing on the relationships that are around you um, and then focusing on things that you enjoy? Or, or how would you summarise uh, for people at home to start to incorporate um, in their everyday to try and, 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 and move towards a happier, healthier way of life? Yeah, well, I think all those things that you just mentioned there, what first and foremost has to happen is that we need to carve out some space, some spaciousness for those things to come in. And so probably the, the one thing that, that I'd start with is, you know, how do I carve out space and, and how do I not fill that space? Um, and that, that's probably the first piece. And, and or more importantly, what do I fill that spaciousness with? And those things that you do fill that space with, need to be nurturing there needs to be a self-care element where you're filling that space with whether it's meditation you know for me it's surfing or whatever the case may be for those individuals listening it has to be something that's really nurturing for your own psyche and your own well-being and and that's probably what we've seen apparent across the past decade is people that can really carve out that time for themselves uh, it really has a profound impact first on their own well-being but more importantly on that ripple effect that we spoke about earlier that's the main word that comes out within this podcast is the power that you are giving back to people who may feel powerless in the fact that they can change their reality they can change the way that they experience life and they can have an enjoyable uh beautiful life yeah i mean all we do Alexa, is create that that uh nurturing environment and give the clients you know support within that nurturing environment and then obviously the clients do the work themselves and we're there just to support them through the process and yeah I mean hats off to 
all our clients and all the people listening out there, out there that are going through that process of, of working towards a, a better version of themselves. And, you know, as we slowly start to wrap up, as I don't want to take too much of your, your time, I know it's quite valuable. Um, Pat, if you had to um, have one message that you would like to share to the world, what would that be? That's, a, that's an enormous question. <laughs> um, I think probably the biggest message would be just to, to you know, blaze your own path, walk your own path, regardless of, of what's happening around you, you know, do the work to, to create an inner landscape where you know yourself intimately and from that place you can have some, some beautiful relationships and build those interpersonal relationships around you that support where you're going, excuse me, but also just to have that, that inner fire within yourself to, to know and trust um, that you're headed in the right direction and um, to take people along for the journey with you. Beyond powerful. <laughs> and for those listening who would like to get in contact with you, um, what's the best way that they can reach you? Yeah, our, our uh, retreats, uh, we've just done a rebrand, but our business is called Natural Instinct Wellbeing now, but our, our previous name and, and still our website is naturalinstincthealing.com. Uh, and from there, you can find all about, uh, we've got online programs uh, that you know, nurture people through meditation processes. We've got uh, a mentorship where we, we guide some incredible people on a, uh, members on a, a journey through holistic well-being, and then obviously we've got our live immersions and, and uh, detox retreats uh, currently in Australia and, and soon back over in Bali. So yeah, if they want to explore us, we're at uh, naturalinstincthealing.com. And guys, I would highly, highly recommend it. I mean, uh, once again, speaking from personal experience, that seven-day fast that I went on was beyond transformational. I mean, I walked out of there, you know, there were moments where I absolutely cried where things came up that I didn't even know I was still holding on to. Uh, but through that deep reflection, through, as you were saying, the fasting where you remove everything and because you're away from your busyness of life, you have nothing but to just sit there and reflect and just all the stuff came out and these tears, but from that, just such growth um, and such deep healing. So I would beyond, beyond recommend um, checking it out if you really want to transform your life. And um, yeah, thank you. Thanks for your kind words, Alexa. It's been such an honour to, to chat with you today. Awesome. Thanks, guys.